The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome, welcome to another episode of Punt Intended Fantasy NBA Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host, Rhett Bauer, joined as always by my co-host, Travis Fuller. Hey, Rhett, I'm doing well today. We're going to continue our series on knocking out these teams and, and getting a more in-depth look. We're going to go with another, probably the, the second most frustrating team from a Dynasty perspective to try and figure out uh, right after the Grizzlies. <laughs> and that's just because you're a Cam Reddish owner. And if, yeah, you haven't, if you haven't gathered, we will be talking about the Atlanta Hawks. But first, before we get started, please go to wherever you get your podcast, give a rating and review. We really appreciate it. We're still looking to get up to 35 for our next mailbag. So contribute to that. Get your questions in. We'll be more than happy to answer them. With us today to talk about the Atlanta Hawks is Brad Harden. Covers the Hawks for Hoopball Hawks over at hoop-ball.com. Brad, how are you doing today? I am doing excellent. Um, it's a pleasure to be on the show today and obviously talk Hawks and uh, the NBA. Obviously, we know that there was something significant that happened today around the league. Yeah. Just really excited to get into it with you guys and talk outside of, you know, the uh, Atlanta metro area as far as NBA goes, but also share what, share what I know about the Hawks. I know a little bit, just a little bit. Yeah, he know he knows a little <laughs> bit. That's why we brought him on here. So you mentioned a lot of things happening around the NBA today, and that is that's probably understating today because it was media day for those of you that don't know. So we had conversations from a lot of different players, a lot of different teams, a lot of different updates. I don't really want to get into too much of it because there's a whole lot of information. We could probably do an entire podcast on various topics that came up today, but a couple things, a couple news pieces from the NBA that we can talk about or should talk about from a dynasty perspective is first and foremost, Michael Porter Jr. Getting the bag from Denver, a possible five-year, 200 plus million dollar extension. If he meets the criteria for that, this doesn't change that much for Michael Porter Jr. We knew he was going to be on the Denver Nuggets for long-term, but I saw somebody say something like, does this mean that the Sixers won't be trading for him in a Ben Simmons deal? And yes, that, that is absolutely what that means. Yeah. That was never going to be the case. Like whatsoever. No. If, no. if anything, it's Jamal Murray. And that is still just would be a, a complete shock in, in my mind and throughout the NBA, but good for Michael Porter Jr. Locking that up. He, I mean, it's well, you could say it's well-deserved. He's had one really good season. Uh, but they're going to rely on him heavily this year, and they understand that. Um, so it's it's good for both parties. Without a doubt. And then the other piece of news that was probably the one of the most shocking pieces of news today, Zion had foot surgery and should should be ready for the start of the season. Now, we are a dynasty, so that may or may not matter for his value moving forward because we are looking in the long term. But at the same time, like Zion's big. And him getting foot surgery and us finding about it right now seems a little bit weird to me. Brad, what do you think about that? As a former resident of the state of Louisiana, I want nothing more than this Pelicans franchise to have success and stay in New Orleans. But from a fantasy standpoint, that is a huge red flag, especially a guy as explosive as him, as big as he is, and his game predicates off of strength and explosiveness. And you're 
jump you have to, you have to use your, your feet uh to propel you up that is a huge red flag especially and that's what most of his game is predicated on he doesn't have a jump shot yet that's consistent in the nba uh so it 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 shocked a lot of people it shocked me as well because i do i am a supporter of the pelicans uh even though i cover the atlanta hawks but yeah it that was a that was a casual bomb from shams today that a lot of people should be concerned about without a doubt and it's the fifth metatarsal of his right foot so it is his pinky toe so it's not like big toe stuff it's not like legit in the foot but it's like just toe stuff but zion's big and that's a little bit scary trev i know you could probably have more to say about that specifically yeah so i didn't really see exactly what it was i'm guessing it's the base of his fifth metatarsal um it's commonly known as a jones fracture i don't know if that's for certain what it is but that's the most common fracture uh we we see that a lot um and people that you know sprain their ankle um it's, if you just look at the anatomy of it it's it kind of just sticks out and can take a lot of force um uh, but yeah it's it is a little bit concerning with him he's only 21 it's not going to affect his value whatsoever like you mentioned but his rookie season they did kind of manage his minutes a little bit and then last year they just let him go and said, this is, you know, we we're you're going to go out there and, and we're going to see what you can do. Um, no load management. Now coming back into this year, I'm a little concerned if they're going to manage his minutes again and keep him closer to 30, um, similar to what they did his rookie year. So, uh, I, and if they get out of the playoffs early, I mean, I especially down the stretch, I, I don't see them letting him play more than 30 minutes every night. So that's definitely something to kind of keep an eye on. Again, long term, probably not a big deal, but in the next this year, maybe next year, they're they're not going to be a competitive team as much as I know they want to be. I, I just don't see it. So the load management could really be a factor for him. Absolutely. That's definitely a consideration, which you hate talking about about a 21-year-old, but big men with foot surgeries, I just that just makes me scared, but just no matter what, I don't care who you are, what you, what your recovery process is, how small it is, you're still undergoing surgery on the foot, but that's enough about all that. Let's talk about some Atlanta Hawks. So Travis mentioned it. They are one of the most frustrating teams in terms of rotation, just because it feels like they have a bunch of guys and, and not only a bunch of guys, but a bunch of guys that could be fantasy relevant if they were given enough of a role. And so from from your perspective, what should we be expecting from the Atlanta Hawks in terms of a rotation? Are there some guys that will be outside of the rotation looking in that some people may have been rostering, hoping that that's not the case? Or you know, is it going to be a pretty straightforward rotation for the year? Obviously, don't factor injuries into that because that's always going to play a case. We can't, we can't predict that. So like your standard rotation, what do you think that's going to look like? It's funny because in media day, which we're not trying to reference, uh, Danilo Gallinari talked about last year how they only had one game where they had a fully healthy rotation here in Atlanta. That is, you know, great for Atlanta as far as on the court, but for fantasy purposes, that is extremely frustrating because there's a lot of, and as you of roles that any one of these individuals, like I look at Kevin Herter, Kevin Herter was, for a nine category league, he could be a fantastic player if he got just more consistent minutes and consistent touches. And when you have a lot of mouths to feed, which Atlanta does, it's really hard to kind of get a good feeling as far as who's going to be consistent and what. Trey Young, you already know what you're getting from 
I know what you're getting from Capella. But after that, it's kind of up in the air. Bogey is another guy I say is going to be fairly safe. Uh, but the DeAndre Hunters, the John, even the John Collins, like their roles are going to change night in and night out because there's so many miles to feed. And then you go deeper on the bench with DeLon Wright, uh, with consistent minutes. DeLon Wright is a pretty good guy who you want to pick up in a waiver at some point. But it, on his team, and then you have obviously Lou Will, Danilo Gallinari, who I mentioned. Uh, you got to figure out if Reddish is going to be off the bench or starting. Same thing with Bogey. Herter is going to be coming off the bench. It's just a lot of working pieces that Nate McMillan is going to have to corral. He, the injuries were fortunate in a way because it gave an opportunity for people to step up and gain confidence in their game. But as far as if you're looking at this team and saying, who should I draft? Outside of the top three players that I mentioned, uh, and, and you may be able to throw John Collins in there as well. I just, like I said, it, it is a mess as far as fantasy purposes to kind of clock in what this rotation is going to be. Yeah, it definitely makes it really difficult. One guy I am really interested in, and I, I won't get on my Cam Reddish soapbox. because <laughs> Not yet, talk, later. Not yet. We'll get to there. Um, but somebody that really started the year off really well, and you watched way more Hawks games than I did, and that is DeAndre Hunter, somebody that, a lot of us were really surprised at the leap he made last year. And then I know they, he came back from the injury. Maybe he rushed back from it a little too soon or, or what have you. But d- what did you see from DeAndre Hunter at the beginning of the year versus how he finished the year? And what do you see from him coming into this season? Do you think that the way he started the year last year, is that is that repeatable for him on this Hawks team? I think for sure it's repeatable. Uh before he got hurt, and even in his rookie year, outside of Trey and John Collins, DeAndre Hunter was the most consistent player for the Hawks. And one thing that I saw last year was just, one, he put in the work. He was more comfortable shooting jump shots. Now his three-point shooting did take a dip. But what I saw was a guy who was extremely confident in the mid-range. It didn't matter who was guarding him. And he was the third leading score in some games he was the second leading scorer and so he's going to be consistent and then I want to see him get better efficiency wise but I really think that DeAndre Hunter is real and if he wouldn't have gotten hurt he would have been in a conversation for most improved player of the year last year I truly believe that it's still yet to be seen with a full cast that Atlanta has to offer the numbers that he'll be putting up on a consistent basis for them is there a player on this Hawks roster that is going to surprise some people this year, either in a good way or a bad way. Is it going to be somebody that's a casualty of too many minutes in the rotation? Is there somebody you expect to make a leap? What do you think is going to happen that might surprise some people about this Hawks roster? I think with the small forward position being fully healthy, not fully healthy yet, but fully healthier than they were last year, small forward position was the weak part of that roster in the playoffs with DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish sharing time out. Um, I think either of those players could take a step forward. Um, and I think because of the, their ability to play multiple positions, I don't think they'll cannibalize each other's numbers a lot. Uh, but I definitely think that Kevin Herter's value takes a little bit of a hit uh, with a full roster. Um, I love Kevin Herter. Uh, he's, I hope he gets his money. I don't know if it's through us or through another franchise. Someone's going to pay him. If, if Duncan Robinson's getting $90 million, uh, they're going to open up the Brinks truck for Kevin Herter as well. Uh, but last year, Kevin Herter averaged the second most minutes on the team at 30.8 minutes per game. I don't need 30.8 minutes per game for 
Kevin Herter this year with a full roster. Unless he plays out of his mind, uh, he's getting to the free throw line more. I, I don't see that. So I think Kevin Herter takes a couple steps down. I know Nate Miller said Danilo Gallinari is going to play the same role as he did last year. If not this year, and maybe just as for, you know, you listeners that are going to keep an eye out on the Hawks for for the next few years. Uh, Johnson, the rookie. I Once Gallinari's contract and it expires, I fully expect Jalen Johnson to take Danilo Gallinari's role and run with it and absolutely run with it. Now, he worked on some things. He's still young. He's not going to get a ton of minutes. But if he comes into camp in shape, picks up things quickly, his athleticism, especially his ability to guard the two through small ball five with his size and his athleticism, and we already see the foundation of his offensive game. He's a guy that, if not for this year, I mean, it could be a like a late run like Okongu made last year. But for years to come, Jalen Johnson is going to be someone that's going to be truly special on his Hawks roster when it's all said and done. Yeah, absolutely. It makes a ton of sense. Jalen Johnson is definitely somebody that we are tracking on our side of things as dynasty owners. So we talked about Jalen Johnson a little bit. Are there any other young players on the roster that we should be looking out for? Is, is this time for Travis's Cam Reddish soapbox or, uh, or are we going to just keep waiting for that too? <laughs> but before we get to Reddish, because I think Travis, I think we're going to see a little eye to eye as far as for Cam Reddish. Ayako uh, Okongu. Dang is going to take his minutes, but with Dang's ability to stretch the floor, I cannot wait for Okongu to be healthy and come back because that means if Dang is, you know, away from the basket because his ability to shoot the three, because we already know he's a 40% three-point shooter for a big man, you have Okongu just basically being like John Collins, just wreaking happening all over the paint. So I'm seeing rebounds. I'm seeing high field goal percentages. And I would love to, if he wasn't hurt, I would love to see what steps you know, forward he makes as far as with his offensive game. So Oyeka Okongu is a young guy that I'd be keeping an eye out on. I guess we're going to talk about Cam Reddish because I'm going to speak my piece. I'm a Cam Reddish realist. There's a lot of people in across the league. They see, they see his physical attributes. They hear that training with Steph Curry. Steph Curry says he has all the, all the tools to be an all-star in this league. And I agree. And I see the ceiling for him to be potentially Paul George with his size, shooting ability, his ability to guard um, multiple positions and defend. I can see his ceiling being Paul George, but where he is a lot like Paul George is his streakiness and his consistency and his availability. Those three things are the reason why we have to be real when it comes to Cam Reddish. A lot of people look at the last two playoff games uh, against the Bucks before they got ousted, like man, he's here. He is. He is. He is. I'm like, no, 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 no. Until Cam Reddish plays 66 games in a season, we don't know who Cam Reddish is. Like by the time the season is over, I want to confidently be able to say Cam Reddish is this. At the, at this point, we can't say that he doesn't have enough film. Unlike DeAndre Hunter and Kevin Herter, they have film. Cam Reddish doesn't. So that's what I'm looking for. Improve consistency on the offensive end. We already know you can defend, but can you be a three-level scorer so you can be the, the Cam Reddish who everybody thinks you can be? So, Travis, where I'm at, I would love to see where you're at with Cam Reddish. Uh, I quit listening when you said Paul George, so can you repeat that? <laughs> he blacked out, yeah. <laughs> no, he's only 22. He, he did show the flashes. I mean, we all watched that Buck series, and 
and that was probably his the best basketball of his career those those three four games that he played there um, and like you said he's, he's only 22 he hasn't really last year was kind of an injury riddled season for him unfortunately that was last year I thought was the year for him to really uh, show a lot of improvement and kind of break out and, and be a little bit more of a consistent player for this Hawks team but hopefully that is this year I I struggle with him being a long-term fit on this team. It sounds like they're moving towards a deal with Herter. I don't know if that's going to happen before this season or not, but they already put up big money to John Collins. Trey Young is going to be around. Uh, Bogdan got his contract for a decent size. Um, and then if they re-sign Herter, I, I just don't see where the money is going to be for them to, to retain Reddish. If he is showing flashes of potential, some team is going to take a chance on this guy and, and pay him eventually. So that's my only concern with Reddish long-term is, is where is he going to end up? Um, but for me, any, if he can get out of Atlanta, I think that would just be a, a huge benefit for his value as far as a, from a dynasty perspective goes. And those trade rumors leading up to the draft, uh, that had me salivating a little bit, but unfortunately, unfortunately nothing came about. Yeah. And this is an audition year for him and a couple other players on his Hawks roster, but I feel like this is that year that they brought everybody back. We're going to see who's going to play, who's going to fit, who's going to be here long-term. And I think this is where some moves are going to be made in the offseason for the Hawks. And I think a big star is going to come alongside Trey Young this offseason. So this is a making the band. Uh, Travis Schlink is Diddy. Uh, all these players are performing, and they're trying to figure out if they're going to be here long-term. And right now, Cam Reddish is the odd guy out. That's why they're shopping him. Without a doubt, I'm really hopeful that that happens because I am also a big Cam Reddish fan, and if Travis would trade him to me, I would be more than happy to receive him. Real quick, Brad, I know we got to get to the Warriors. We're going to get that in today as well, but two rookies. You mentioned Jalen Johnson. Uh, Sharif Cooper was a guy that a lot of people had early on their boards that slipped to the Hawks. Obviously, I don't think he's going to have a role this year, but what's your take and what you hear from both Johnson and Cooper as well? I feel like Sharif Cooper was brought into a really good situation. You have Nathan Mellon, who's been a coach or been, sorry, been a player in this league at the point guard position for 11, 12 seasons with Seattle. You have Trey Young, who is took the lumps and bruises early in his career, have some of the same as far as stature, turnovers, shot selection. They kind of share some of the same faults coming into the league and being from suburban Atlanta. He, he could not have landed in a better situation here in Atlanta. Now two way player, I'm okay with him being a two-way player. If he's tearing it up in the G League, there may be a time where he gets called up. But I think he needs repetition. He needs to work on, you know, understanding offenses and the professional thing and get that turnover number down. Because if we if he can do that, we know for – I see him as a Isaiah Thomas, not Pistons Isaiah Thomas, Boston Isaiah Thomas 2.0. If he's a guy off your bench who is playmaking, who can score, he can just, like, distribute the ball – and keep the turnovers down and keep your team afloat. Um, I, that's where I see Sharif Cooper long-term. Um, so they're really excited to have him. Um, obviously, Nick Miller is salivating how skillful Jalen Johnson is. He, as far as defending, pushing the ball, running, blocking shots, his mid-range game, he has the bare bones to be a really good mid have a really good mid-range jumper. Like I said, he will eventually replace Danilo Gallinari. It's going to happen. He has better knees than Danilo Gallinari. He has better lateral quickness. What he can provide on a defensive end, 
uh, over Gallinari, it's it's going to come. It's and it's probably going to come. Maybe after this year, depending on how Gallinari plays, and we package him with Reddish and somebody else and get another star. But uh, that's just me forecasting. Uh, but yeah, the the two rookies they have we have drafted here in Atlanta very well the last last few drafts. That is that is no secret, and the trend definitely continued this year with getting the best players available at the spots where they drafted them. Without a doubt, tons of value at both spots and forecasting is what we do here. So I'm glad to hear you throw that out there and give your thoughts on the future for these Atlanta Hawks. We are going to move on to the Warriors, but Brad, thank you very much for coming on. Really appreciate all your insight. Tell people where they can find you and let us know if you have anything else coming out soon. Hit me up on Twitter. You know where to find me. It's at Brad at Jared67. That is Brad, J-A-R-R-E-T-T-67. I'm the host of Hoopball Hawks. Best Hawks podcast out there. Shade to Brandon at Locked on Hawks. They do a great job, but we're just that much better. I have a little bit more energy as you hear in the podcast. Yeah, awesome. Thank you very much. Moving on to the Warriors. And now we're here to talk about the Warriors. And joining us to do so is Steven Vidovich, who is a writer slash editor at hoop-ball.com. Does a lot of stuff over there and frankly edits the articles that I put out, which is a task in and of itself. But not only that, he's also a huge Warriors fan and follows them very, very closely. So we wanted to bring him on to talk about everything Warriors related. But first and foremost, Steven, how are you doing today? Man, I'm doing, I'm doing great. It's a nice Monday out here, a little foggy, got a little rain on, uh, outside. Uh, not very fun to take out the dog, but uh, it's, it's a good night. It's a good night. There you go. No complaints. All right. So we're not going to talk about Wiggins. We're not talking, we're talking about basketball and dynasty. I don't want to get into that because I don't want to get any of us in trouble one direction or another, because somebody out there is going to get upset. So we want to talk about the rotation and obviously Wiggins does factor into that potentially for home games, but that's so far away that I don't know if that's really worth getting into. So assuming everybody is healthy, the ideal rotation, is there somebody out there that's going to get left out that might surprise some people or is the rotation going to be pretty straightforward? Um, well, with the Warriors, you're, you're dealing with a very top heavy team. And that's why guys like uh, Juan Toscano Anderson, JTA last year was able to actually produce for deeper formats. Uh, you got guys like Damian Lee, uh, who has produced some limited fantasy um, value in when he gets some playing time. Um, so because they're so top heavy, uh, it's difficult to project um, the bench rotation. Uh, they have a lot of wings in there. Uh, the one guy that I think might disappoint uh, again this season would be James Wiseman, uh, just because you don't know where he's at. He's coming back from a knee injury. Um, obviously, his future is very bright. But as far as this season, I think that would be uh, my biggest um, surprise for some people who value him very highly. Yeah, and that, that hurts me deep because uh, I'm, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm a huge I'm a huge fan of Wiseman. Uh, I know he had uh, the season last year that he had wasn't up to par of what people expected from him. But I'll say it again, and I'm, I keep harping on it. But last year was a real anomaly for these rookies. They didn't get a lot of time with the team. Um, and they just didn't have a lot of time to gel and, and go through that whole process that a typical rookie would go through. He was kind of thrown in that mix right away. Uh, and just didn't get the time that I think he needed 
to, to really grow as a player and he's really raw. And if you even look back in his, in the Memphis days, he, I, I'm Memphis, he played less than 10 games there as well. So he didn't have a lot of basketball in the last few years, but somebody I do still really like long-term, but one player I do want to mention, and, and this is because he's had a few top 40 seasons. He's not too far removed and that's Otto Porter. Have you heard anything coming from Warriors camp on Otto Porter, what his role might be? And then more importantly than anything else, as far as his health. Uh, I haven't heard anything other, um, other than like good things about Otto Porter, not great things. Uh, I think the Warriors were able to get him on an extreme discount because of the last few seasons. So my expectations are much lower for Otto Porter. Um, I would say that he, his ceiling would be a, um, a Kelly Oubre type uh, fit for the Warriors. Maybe he could be, you know, as in terms of winning basketball, maybe he could get up to like that Kent Bazemore level where he's actually contributing to winning um, from last season. But Otto Porter, uh, I think he's lost focus the last couple of years. So if he can get back um, into um, into just focusing more on basketball uh, and winning ball games to get that next contract, that could probably be the best thing for him. Do I see him finishing inside the top 100? I don't. Uh, I'm actually higher on uh, Jordan Poole. I know we talked about Wiggins, and I'm not talking about any of the COVID stuff, but Wiggins might have to miss some games. Uh, Clay Thompson's obviously going to be out for the start of the season. So I'd be much higher on Jordan Poole than I would be on Otto Porter uh, this season for the Warriors. I think Porter is going to play rotation minutes, regular rotation minutes, but they have a lot of small forwards out there um, th that have been with the team before. I think Andre Wadala, uh, not from a fantasy perspective, but he's going to eat up minutes. Um, Moses Moody will probably see a few minutes as a rookie. I don't see Kaminga playing that much. Uh, you got JTA and you have uh, Nemanja Bielica. So Otto Porter, to me, in a very deep league, uh, I would take a look at him, but probably not, at least in redraft leagues, I'm not looking at him until we get to like 18 team leagues. For sure. That makes a lot of sense. Jordan Poole is a guy that I think will start the season off incredibly hot, probably in that starting lineup next to Steph Curry because of the things that he showed to close out the year last year. I felt like he closed the year in a way that was very encouraging for your team, because like you said, you are extremely top heavy. So from a fantasy perspective, you have to find value on the margins. And that's what the Warriors did last year with JTA. Travis and I talked about him like at the very early stages of this podcast is like JTA was ridiculous. He had such a good contribution to the team, both in terms of like rotation minutes, but then also turned that into fantasy production as well. So you mentioned a lot of the young guys and you mentioned a lot of rotation decisions. Is there anybody that you think might surprise people who don't follow the Warriors that well, but are into fantasy that might be thinking somebody is more valuable than what the Warriors do or vice versa, who may be a little bit low on somebody. So like long-term outlook, like I said, James Wiseman, I'm very high on him, uh, Travis. To go back to your uh, comment on Wiseman and the whole 
fact that last season was kind of um, getting thrown to the wolves right away, not having a training camp, just the whole situation that was uh, that existed last year. One thing I will say is I think that he would be in a much better position heading into this season had he not suffered that knee injury. He could have played in summer league. So I just think that he's still another year away from being a winning basketball player. And it's difficult what the Warriors are doing right now because they're trying to develop James Wiseman and now Jonathan Kaminga, who are two very raw prospects who are not going to help in terms of winning. Um, In terms of finding fantasy value on the fringes in like a standard league, I think it's pretty cut and dry for the Warriors. You got Steph, Clay when he gets back, but I would be very hesitant on, you know, taking Clay outside of like very last rounds of standard league drafts just because of uh, the fact that he might not be back till January. Um, you got Draymond, who knows with Wiggins. Um, I guess if situations happen with Wiggins where he's unable to play in the home games, that could leave the door open for an Otto Porter Jr. I mean, he is the two candidates there for me would be Otto Porter Jr. and Moses Moody, the rookie. And, you know, Otto Porter has the experience. Um, If he has his head on straight uh, heading into this year and he's focused on basketball, he could be a surprise, but I just think they have a lot of guys they like to use. Um, on the wing, I, I don't know if Wiggins is out. I don't see one of those guys getting close to 30 minutes a game. I think that it would be kind of a timeshare at that position. Um, so I think the Warriors are a pretty easy team to handicap from a fantasy perspective. The one guy that you might be able to, to get some value out of early would be Jordan Poole. Um, Kavon Looney is never... Uh, his skill set, it just doesn't fit with fantasy. Um, and I just don't think it's there for Wiseman quite yet. Yeah, definitely understandable there uh, with Wiseman. You, you've hit on them a couple times, and I, I want to dig a little bit deeper because there are a lot of listeners out there that spent their first-round pick on a Jonathan Kaminga and on a Moses Moody, knowing full well that those guys are going to a team that has championship aspirations. Is there any way that Moody or Kaminga crack this rotation? And then also give us your outlook on these players um, with a perspective of two to three years down the road. Do you still see these players on the Warriors? Do you see them being moved? And, and do you see them having a role with this team? Um, what I have seen so far, which is limited, I will say that. I don't really watch much college basketball. I watched uh, summer league basketball with the Warriors. And Kaminga seems a little bit too raw to contribute uh, to winning right now. Um, all rookies have trouble contributing to a winning team. Moody seems like he has a uh, one skill, which is shooting the, the, the triple. And I think that could allow him to carve out some minutes at small forward for this team. How many minutes and early on, I'm not sure. It could take him um, some seasoning in the G League uh, in order for him to, to get into the big league rotation. 
but Moody would be closer for me than Kaminga. As far as like a two to three out a year outlook, I think Kaminga has one of the widest array of outcomes um, in terms of fantasy. Uh, obviously, being you know a homer, I'm rooting for him. I like his confidence. He has so much confidence, and you could just tell that he wants to be LeBron James out there uh, on the court. Um, not comparing Jonathan Kaminga to LeBron James, just comparing the confidence. Um, so I love his confidence. Uh, I think he's going to need a lot more time uh, developing than Moses Moody will. Uh, I think Moody could come in and carve out, you know, get 10 to 12 minutes a night. And if he's performing well, then we could even see that increase. Um, but I don't want to put high expectations on any of these rookies. In terms of them staying with the Warriors or leaving, I think the deal has to be just right for them to uh, package all these youngsters for a star. It can't be for a Ben Simmons because how's, how is he going to fit alongside Draymond Green? You know, even the Bradley Beal, it's a weird fit. Um, Damian Lillard would be, you know, that would be great because he's from Oakland and it's the one that I would love the most. But even as a fit there, I just don't see it. Um, so I think that they're going to be on the Warriors uh, for the next few years. And Steve Kerr has a very difficult job ahead of him. Much, much more difficult than, than he had his first couple years or five years. Uh, he is attempting to develop young players while also trying to win basketball games. Last year, when James Wiseman got injured, it allowed Steve Kerr to shift focus onto winning basketball games. He put Kent Bazemore into the starting lineup, and although it didn't help in terms of fantasy production, it helped in terms of winning games. He's got a very difficult job ahead of him. Um, I could see him coming under the microscope in the next couple of years because of it. Uh, I do, if I was to bet on it, I would say that all of those young players stay on the Warriors for the next two to three years. I think Moody and Wiseman are closer to producing something uh, of fantasy value, although very limited. And Kaminga, I think, has a year of spending time in the G League. I don't think we see him much this season. Yeah, there were a lot of people who thought myself included somewhat that taking Kaminga and Moody and not moving those picks meant that they were just collecting those assets to try and flip them further down the line with the salary of those players included in a deal. But if you look at what the Warriors salary structure is, they have to send Wiggins out. Like it has to be one of Wiggins, Steph, Clay, or Draymond. And so the deal out there it's just probably not as realistic as what you would think to make it worth it from both sides of the equation. So I agree with you next two, three years, probably all going to be on the team. Obviously anything can change. And, and we know that as much as anybody as dynasty focused people, but yeah, that's a lot of great stuff. I'm really, really interested to see what Kaminga can do. I think you're right about his G league expectations because there's just, like you said about all the wings, I don't think there's any room on this team to have him out there trying to figure it out as they are trying to win a championship. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I 
am very high on the youngsters. It's just, I think that what the Warriors are doing is walking on a tightrope. And it's going to be, um, I think Steve Kerr actually could be a casualty eventually because this tightrope walk of developing 18, 19 year old raw prospects who can't help win uh, alongside Steph, Clay, and Draymond is just, it's likely an impossible task. Without a doubt. I don't envy him at all. But then again, he's also got a ridiculous amount of championships to just fall back on. So I think he'll be okay. Steven, we really appreciate you coming on and talking all things Warriors. Where can people find you? Do you have anything coming out here soon? Anything like that you want to plug? Yeah, so uh, you can find me at Steven Vidovich on Twitter. Uh, and the one thing I would plug is to, for everyone to go get a draft guide uh, with the season coming up. Uh, and one huge thing about the draft guide is our Discord channel. Um, you could find yourself, Brett and Travis are on Discord. I'm on Discord. You got, you know, basically all the hoop ball pros on there all the time answering questions. Um, and it's just a great community. Uh, you got uh, fellow fantasy basketball players answering uh, other fantasy basketball players' questions. So if you're into fantasy, uh, the Discord Hoopball channel is a great place to go. Could not agree more. We have a lot of questions on there all the time. Like he said, you got me, Dan Bespers, Adam King, all the big dogs over at Hoopball, and then little old me and my Dynasty channel uh, answering questions all the time. So like I said, Stephen, we really appreciate you coming on. Be sure to check out the draft guide. Be sure to check out our Dynasty rankings over at hoopball.com for fans and past subscribers. And as always, thank you very much for tuning in. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.